He's amused Cam Newton. Just ask that question. <laughs> He's been insulted by Charles Barkley. When some idiot in the press asked him, if you know what you know now, would you have scheduled this game? He's interviewed Matthew McConaughey. I do say go, Tario. And he's taken on Big Blue Nation. I see, he's just completely taking the wind out of my sails. <laughs> it's time for The Drive with Josh Graham. You are on a Tuesday drive. WSJS News Talk Sports for the Triad. Where when the Carolina Panthers traded for the number one pick one month and one day ago, the immediate reaction from the football world was to say... C.J. Stroud is going to be the guy. He looks the part more than Bryce Young. He threw at the combine. Bryce didn't. Carolina gave up a haul, and C.J. seems like a safer choice. And as a result, C.J. became the odds-on favorite to be the pick. Today, as Bryce Young visits the Panthers for a private workout in Charlotte and another pre-draft meeting... Public opinion in the football world has shifted and has warmed up to Bryce Young being the choice for the Panthers. Over the last week, it's been a slow drip of insiders saying that this was going to happen. Bryce Young is going to go number one. Mel Kuyper, who said that C.J. Stroud was his choice in his last mock draft, put out a mock today. That has Bryce as the guy. A couple of days ago, Joe Person, Panthers insider from The Athletic, who will be on tomorrow's show, he wrote, what he's starting to hear is Carolina is infatuated with Bryce Young, and it seems like he's going to be the pick. Chris Mortensen, probably the most respected preeminent insider across the NFL, said this on ESPN last week. Phil, what I'm hearing is that both Mel and Todd are going to have to change their mock drafts. Ooh. And that Bryce Young is the pick. And yes, Frank Wright, connecting Frank Wright to C.J. Stroud in terms of the prototype of guy that he, he's worked with in the past, uh, but they all love Bryce Young. That's Chris Mortensen. And guess what? Mel Kuyper listened, and he changed his mock draft to Bryce Young being the number one pick. The NFL's lead draft analyst, or the NFL Network's lead draft analyst, is Daniel Jeremiah, and he's been on Bryce Young being the guy all along. We will have DJ on the show at 3.30. Make sure you're around for that. It almost seems like somebody from the Panthers is talking and saying, we love Bryce Young. We want Bryce Young to be the guy. And normally, I'd be skeptical of a smokescreen, a la, remember when the San Francisco 49ers let everybody know Mac Jones was the quarterback they want, wanted rather than Trey Lance? This is a lot different, though. There's no reason for the Panthers to play games. The Niners, they had two teams drafting in front of them. They didn't want the Jets to potentially draft their guy right in front of them. The Panthers, why would they play those games? There's no reason why. Nobody's going to jump in front of them. Nobody's going to stop them from getting the player that they ultimately want. Previously, the size was an issue, and it's still going to be the central part of the conversation over the next 16 days before we get to draft night, and we hear the chimes that we all love to hear. But, obviously, size has become less of an issue with Bryce. 
it's almost like a player who had legal troubles, gotten trouble in the fall, and then you're not even thinking about that when draft night gets here. And the reason why is time. Oh, well, we that was six months ago that we heard about that, and that's very far removed now. We don't care as much. And the same things happen with how tall and how thin Bryce Young is. We've talked about it so much, it doesn't carry as much weight anymore. It doesn't carry as much power. Scott Fitterer, he was in Seattle with Russell Wilson. Frank Reich, there's this knock. He hasn't coached a quarterback under six foot four. Well, CJ isn't six four either. It should be pointed out. And there's no debate right now who the better quarterback today is. If Bryce is two inches taller, this is a slam dunk. This is being talked about the same way it was Joe Burrow being taken number one by the Bengals or the same way it was discussed when Kyler Murray went number one a few years before that. There's just no doubt who the pick is going to be. If USC doesn't blow it against Utah and the Trojans are going to the playoff, odds are C.J. Stroud opts out of whatever bowl game Ohio State would be sent to and we don't get the Georgia game. And if the last sample we have of C.J. Stroud is him playing against Michigan and losing, there's no doubt that Bryce Young is still going to be the pick. There is a prevailing thought. We could be overthinking it with Stroud. Similar to the way we did with Cam almost a decade and change ago, about a dozen years ago. Remember, it was totally different. We talked about his size, and we talked about his game, and said, well, this is unconventional. Oh, we just don't have quarterbacks who look like this who are taking number one. Not in a race way, but in a he's six foot five, the size of a linebacker type of way. Oh, man, he's not a prototypical pocket passer. This all sounds ridiculous today, but that was something we talked about back then. And some were saying, Blake Bortles, Jake Locker, take those guys over Cam Newton. Even though in front of us, if we watch college football, it was so obvious who the best quarterback in the game was, who the best player in college football was. Is there a chance 10 years from now we're going to look back on this conversation with Bryce and say it's equally as stupid? Talking about his height? Talking about how thin he is? Whether or not he would be able to hold up in the NFL? Is there a possibility of that? There's no doubt he's the better player. So maybe it's as simple as Frank Reich saying, well, we can win right now. Give me the guy who's the best football player right now. How about we just draft the best football players? Let's just do that. The football world, it's they, it has warmed up to Bryce Young over the last one month and one day. On Twitter, at WSJS Radio, if you want, and that's also where we're streaming video on YouTube, on Twitch as well. WD, Will Dalton, is the executive producer of this show. Hello, WD. Hello. How a are lot. You? Oh, I'm doing well. A lot going on today. Mm -hmm. I didn't expect this to be a big news day. I thought we'd be talking so much football and Daniel Jeremiah joining us at 3.30. We're looking forward to that. Then we got basketball news. Hubert Davis has landed his second player through the transfer portal, and it's Charlotte native Jalen Withers from Louisville. And a lot like the first transfer, which, if you haven't been following so closely, Paxson Wojcik from the Ivy League was the first guy. Like him, this is underwhelming. It's an underwhelming signing. Because, let's be clear on this, Withers is not a dude. 
And he's certainly not a guy who should be starting at North Carolina next year. If you want to comp, he's a lesser version of Pete Nance. Because with Nance, what got people so excited, WD, was that he averaged 15 points a game and shot over 40% from three. In fact, he was 45% from three-point range. But here's the thing. It's the Kevin Love effect. At all levels of basketball, somebody's got to score those points and somebody's got to grab those rebounds for the bad teams. I like that comparison. Right? Yeah. What what will you look like when you play at the top level? And when Kevin Love was playing with LeBron and playing with Kyrie Irving, he was the guy standing in the corner waiting to take a three. He wasn't Same. a bad player. It's fine. Same with Chris Bosh. Right, Chris Bosh. What, yeah. what happens when you play with the dudes rather than playing with the Raptors? And what we saw with Pete Nance, he was not a 15-point-a-game scorer for Carolina. He was a 10-point-a-game scorer. He didn't grab the same amount of rebounds. The three-point shooting percentage wasn't as good. Because, yeah, well, it's a little bit. When you play at North Carolina, it's a little bit more being asked of you. It's a different level. When you play for teams that are supposed to be good, it's a different type of expectation that's attached to you. Jalen Withers played for the worst team in the ACC and averaged nine points and 41% from three and attempted far less threes, far fewer threes than Pete Nance did his last year at Northwestern. So he's a guy who's going to be in the rotation. I'll tell you what he is. He's not the replacement for Pete Nance, but he is the replacement for Puff Johnson. And in fact, I go as far to say he's an upgrade over Puff Johnson. He's an upgrade. Puff averaged close to five points a game last year. Never got close. Never sniffed 40% in his career from three. So Withers, who's about the same height, he's probably going to bring that. He's probably the first guy off your bench. But this is not one of those dudes that you get out of the portal. These are not the guys who are going to help save North Carolina a year from now. Hubert needs to find at least two more starters through the portal or with reclassification, hoping that you get Ian Jackson or Elliot Cadeau, one of those types of guys. You need to find one of those because I don't think Jalen Washington is going to be starting with Armando Baycott. Armando! I don't want to completely rule that out because Hubert's been talking about how Jalen can stroke it for such a long time. Maybe you can have those twin tw twin towers in the post, but if that's not the case, you need to find a stretch four who's better than Jalen Withers, who's better than Pete Nance, frankly, and you need to find a point guard that you can put next to R.J. Davis so he's worried about playmaking and shooting rather than trying to initiate the offense and run the point. That's what you need to find. At least two starters, maybe three. But this is not a dude. This is not a guy who should start for North Carolina, Jalen Withers. It's a guy in the rotation. You need to add players. You need players. And he is a player who could be in that rotation. But he's not a starter. He's not a dude. Our friend Chip Patterson, who you know from the Cover 3 podcast and CBS Sports, joins us now. And Chip, we'll get to your Hornets in just a bit. We had Daniel Jeremiah join us a couple of hours back. He's got Bryce Young as his number one quarterback because he said he's the best player in this draft, the best football player available. Viewing this through the lens of mostly college football, which you devour so ravenously and thoroughly with the podcast, how wide do you believe the gap is right now? Not talking about projections. Between... Bryce Young, and C.J. Stroud? I think that it is 
so much smaller now than it was before the college football playoff. And a lot of that has to do with the way that he played in that game against Georgia. You know, that was, we are going to look at this Georgia run, you know, and, and we'll see what happens in 2023. But in case you haven't already glanced at the schedule, that team's probably going to be 9-0 and or 10-0 and too. We're going to be talking about a really, really impressive era. And I think that what's going to be lost is how well Ohio State played in that game, how Ohio State nearly outplayed Georgia in that game, and how C.J. Stroud in particular raised his level of play. Because that was the big criticism. Again, this is all the college football in me, college football lens, is that C.J. Stroud would just blow the doors off of Rutgers and would blow the doors off of you know Indiana and Northwestern against all these teams from the bottom tier of the Big Ten. But what else did we have about C.J. Stroud? We had memories of two losses to Michigan. And because there are so few times when Ohio State loses a football game, we remember them like it was our favorite team's uh, NCAA tournament run or a bowl game or something like that. And so C.J. Stroud, I think, was really you know having to overcome this notion that C.J. Stroud doesn't play well against the best competition. And he played so well against Georgia that I think that that is why I say the gap is so much smaller now. Like, me, I, yeah, I take Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud. If you want to take C.J. Stroud over Bryce Young, I don't have a big argument with it, and a lot of it is because of what he did. Hey, and I'll throw this last one on here because I was actually just digging into Ohio State quarterback stuff for next year. So, D.J. Stroud, during his uh, true freshman season, did not have a pass attempt. But do you know what he did have, Josh? What? 48-yard touchdown run. They say this man's not a willing runner. It was one of the only attempts he had for his entire true freshman season. Wow. I just – uh, I think that it's a small gap, and it's about your uh, your preference and play style. Yeah, I wish I brought this up to DJ, because something that Daniel brought up to us was there are no stinkers in terms of performances that Bryce had. When you look at the losses, I mean, Brian Kelly went for two uh, just to make sure Bryce Young didn't get the ball back in the LSU loss. The Tennessee game, he put up 49 in Knoxville, the losses that Bama had. But then, now that I think about it, as you were going on, C.J. wasn't bad in the Michigan game, and C.J. certainly wasn't bad in the Georgia game. I guess what we're talking about is, in some of Ohio State's wins, given where the standard is, he often didn't meet what that standard was supposed to be, how badly you're supposed to beat some of the teams that you are clearly better than. Yeah, and those, I mean, even those performances were were really cherry-picking. I think that it's a... I, th- I think it's a nice problem to have if you are the Carolina Panthers because a lot of it's just going to come down to, you know, just a, the roll of the dice of how those first, you know, one, two, three seasons play out. If you're able to get full health, which is always a risk, and, you know, how the fit seems to be right off the bat. They've got, you know, good quarterback-friendly head coach, good offensive staff. You know, the, a lot of pieces are there for it to be a place where a quarterback can land and be successful. But um, we'll see. I'd I'd be I'd be cool with either one of them though. Chip Patterson's with us here from the Cover Three podcast from CBS Sports. Got news today that ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips received a three-year contract extension. He's been on the job for two years and about a month and change. Maybe that's too small of a sample to have 
too much of, a, of an opinion on this question, but how would you grade the job Phillips has done thus far as ACC commission? How do you even measure that? Hey, so is this like one of those coaching carousel uh, deals? Like, you know, we always find that when the candidates start announcing that they've got contract extensions <laughs> at their current employer, that this, that's when we get the announcement. This is like the Lane Kiffin 10-year extension at Florida Atlantic. Yes, yeah, this exactly. And to which I would also add, and I hope I'm not getting too inside baseball here, does that mean that the buyout's gone up for if the Big Ten does want to come poach Jim Phillips? They've got to pay the ACC more money, I guess. Because that's what I heard. Like, the Hugh Freeze deal at Liberty. Hugh Freeze signed an extension on his way out the door at Liberty. And what I have heard is that one of the things that happens within the coaching industry is it's a way to say thanks on the way out. So you, the other school, this one being Auburn, you know, has to help uh, the buyout to get you out of your Liberty deal. Therefore, Liberty ends up with a bunch of money having lost Hugh Freeze thanks to Auburn. So it's uh, kind of kind of a fun little game that happens at the financial I'm, level when it comes to these coaching contracts. I'm getting word that he his grant of rights, Jim Phillips' grant of rights, is committed through close to 2030. Yeah. So I look. I think that it was very sensible to think that Jim Phillips. Um, was going to be considered a candidate for the Big Ten job. Whether that means that Jim Phillips was not interested in the Big Ten job or whether it means that the Big Ten job is going to be filled elsewhere and perhaps even announced sometime soon, we'll we'll see about those things. But one thing that um, Jim Phillips has been very much willing to do is to take on challenges. I don't think he's shied away from them. And I, I appreciate how he sometimes is very blunt about ways to get better, ways they need to get better. You know, he still does, like every commissioner does, talk about as many trophies that you can point to, as many awards that can say that you all are awesome and everybody's doing a good job. But I I will say that I have um, appreciated how he says, you know, we need to get better here. We need to figure out ways to improve uh, the revenue gap. We need to have better performance in this sport, in this sport. And so, uh, I, I don't have a grade for it. It's an incomplete. But the things that are significant about this news is that, uh, number one, you know, the idea that he is going to the Big Ten probably is not going to happen. And that, number two, that means that he's going to not just pay lip service to it in a very short tenure, but actually have to follow through on taking on these challenges and trying to guide the ACC into the next era of college sports. This puts a close on the Chip Patterson analyst portion of this segment. Now we get to the therapeutical part. The Charlotte Hornets had just finished a season that was doomed from the start. You didn't get the coach you wanted. He backs out. Kenny Atkinson also has uh, received permission to talk to the Houston Rockets for their opening. We learned from Woj earlier today. Um... The Miles Bridges situation, that's unfortunate with the arrest. There's injuries. Now we all wait for May 16th and what's going to happen with the draft lottery. Charlotte, a 12.5% chance of getting Victor Webanyama. How are you feeling right now as a Hornets fan, buddy? Um, You know, kind of dreading number two, right? Because then you've got to if – it, if it's two, then it's scoot. And if it's scoot, then you've got to rethink everything that you're doing with Lamella, right? Mm-hmm. How do, you, how do you see that? I think it's a good problem to have. I, I think it's a, there are two guys in this draft 
that you could argue are generational and one gets a lot more attention than the other. It reminds me a lot of the Zion John Morant draft. If Zion were healthy, I don't think there'd be any question that Zion's viewed to be the better player out of the two. But you, I mean, with this sport and given how you know the draft is so developmental now, that's a that's a good problem to have. What I fear is they get the number three pick and it's whoever the equivalent to R.J. Barrett is. Well, and that number three pick is probably Brandon Miller. In oh. this case, you're just bringing in oh. another wing. At, I mean, you've just got a glut. Oh, could you imagine if it's point. Brandon Miller and you bring Miles Bridges back for whatever reason? Oh, goodness. That, yeah, yeah, that's Oof. a really good point. Oof. Yeah, no, I, that's, yeah, don't want three. All right, that's fine. I change it. I change my mind. You, you talk some sense <laughs> to me, Josh. Like, it's one or – I don't want to dread two just – yeah, as long as it's not three, then I then I think we're okay. And look, isn't it all right? So, think the way that I understand it, they've got five draft picks, two That's in the right. first round. Mm-hmm. Even if the lottery balls don't break their way, you got to think that they're at least going to make a run to move up. You've got enough draft capital and you've got enough assets around. I haven't run the the numbers on this, but uh, I would I would at least hope that there would be some sort of effort to do that. I'd hope so. And you know, Charlotte. Strangely, he's been better at drafting second-round players than first-round players in recent years, with McGowan's being the latest example this year, and obviously a guy like Devontae Grant, who I know you're quite fond of, and uh, a few others. Uh, check that box, too. Chip Patterson, I just wanted to see how you were doing post-Masters and post-Hornet season. Thanks for uh, sharing your insight, and I hope this was therapeutic for you, my friend. <laughs> Thanks, man. Sounds good. Y'all be well. The moment you've all been waiting for. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham. In Hollywood, there's this, you know, way of going about business where actors will do one movie for us and then one for them. I'll do the Avengers superhero movie that makes all the money so that way I can then fund my passion project and do the movie that I've been wanting to do my entire life. This is the radio equivalent of that for me. There are two teams I root for that I really am emotionally attached to, and that's the Carolina Hurricanes and the Baltimore Orioles. That's who I'm going to talk about for the next few minutes here. This is therapeutic. This is for me. Love you guys, specifically you. You that I'm looking at and talking to right now. But this is for me. And we've got a chance. We've got a chance for you to win tickets to go see the Harlem Globetrotters in Greensboro Friday and PDQ gift cards. That's for you in just a little bit in a segment we call Josh is Out of His Mind. But right now, we need to talk about the Carolina Hurricanes because they are collapsing at the worst possible time. They lost to the Ottawa Senators last night. That is their third straight loss in regulation. WD, you want to know how many times through 80 games this year the Carolina Hurricanes have lost three straight in regulation? I don't know that they've done it. It's never happened mm. in the first 80 games until now with two games left to go. 
And again, if they were losing to Tampa, New Jersey, Boston, if they were losing to top teams, Vegas, you name it, if they were losing to them, that's one thing. But none of the three teams that they've lost to are going to make the playoffs. Not Buffalo, not Nashville, not certainly not Ottawa last night. In fact, they've been eliminated. And here's the thing. Carolina wasn't close in that game. Never led, fell behind 2 to nothing in the first period. And if you think this is me just being over the top negative and being emotional, being a fan and all that, some of it's true. But just listen to Rob Brindamore when asked by a reporter to pull positives from this game. Well, we started this terribly and never really got going at all. I give the other team a lot of credit. They, they played a real good game, but we were just in quicksand. And then other than our penalty kill, which they were – those guys did a great job. So you're looking for a positive. They were that's one of the best power plays in the league, and you know the, we were working really hard there. Uh, the rest of the game was pretty much trash, to be honest with you. That just trash, and that's what it was. Now they got a bad break on the goalie interference in the third final ten minutes that directly led to the go-ahead goal for Ottawa, but that was right after the Canes failed on a five-on-three. Score on the 5-on-3. I know they had a power play goal last night, but the power play didn't really do next to anything outside of that, which is why Rod is rotating different guys and saying that they're going to have to make some changes there. That's not what you want to hear with two games left to go in the season. What we're talking about is a collapse here. And you can hold multiple truths in your head at the same time. Am I saying the season is a failure if Carolina doesn't win the Metro? No, I'm not saying that. Carolina won 50 games. There is never going to be a time with the Carolina Hurricanes as a franchise that 50 wins is not a success. That is, by definition, a successful year and something you should be proud of. That does not change even if Carolina closes the regular season with five straight losses and gets swept in the first round. That does not change. However, since Carolina won its 50th game a week ago, against Ottawa, by the way, if Car- Carolina was up three points in the Metro Division just going into late last week, if you blow that lead with the game in hand on New Jersey in the final week of the season, that is a failure. That's what that is. That is a collapse. It's a failure. Like, and in order for that to happen, Carolina probably would have to lose at least one of the last two games. Right, So you're talking about losing five straight to end the year or four of the last five to end the year. And the only team that's probably going to make the playoffs is Florida, who they play on Thursday. Tonight, Carolina's got Detroit. So if Carolina, they're still up one point. They still can salvage this. I hope this is a moot point. Even by tomorrow, Carolina wins tonight, and let's say New Jersey loses to Buffalo, which case Carolina would clinch the Metro Division. I hope it's a moot point. But if it isn't, if Carolina does not win the Metro and loses either tonight or Thursday, while New Jersey wins the last two, then it call it what it is. That's a failure, while you could still acknowledge and hold two thoughts in your head that winning 50 games is a success. There, my rant is over. Can we talk about baseball now? The Orioles, they won last night. They're a 500 baseball team. They've got the number one pitching prospect in America making his home debut tonight in Grayson Rodriguez. 
you probably don't care much about that. That's fine. But what you might care about, what I might be able to convince you matters, is what Baltimore debuted yesterday after an Adley Rushman home run, who's been fantastic, by the way. Home run the left, and then he goes to the dugout, and there is a funnel. The type of funnel you would see at frat parties in college. And it's not alcohol they're putting on one end of it. It's water that they're putting in. It is their home run funnel. But that doesn't sound like a great name for it. Then we get the quote from the starting pitcher last night. Kyle Gibson, the starting pitcher, was asked about this funnel that was pulled out of the dugout. And the exact quote that he gave was, It's a homer hose, not a dong bong. That's a direct quote from a major league player. And I'd just like to say I'm appreciative of Kyle Gibson. For one, pitching a good game that allowed for the Orioles to win. That's number one. But number two, allowing me the opportunity. On April the 11th, the year 2023 of our Lord, to say on the radio the words Homer Hose and Dong Bong. What? What? Which name do we like better? Ah. Homer Hose is pretty good. I'm leaning there. Rather than Dong Bong, that might have you thinking about other things. Uh There's a negative connotation to the word Bong. Yes. Even though it's beer bonging there. that you do with the, the funnel when you're in college, there's a negative connotation to that word. And the first word could be used For a lot in of different it. ways, yeah. too. So Talking Homer- about Richards. <laughs> Homer hose is great. It's just cool sounding. It it's is. It's like we got a I, Homer hose. That's it. They had the home run, uh, what is it called? The necklace. Home run chain. They had the home run chain oh, last Oh, they year. did that? Yeah. The Orioles had the home run chain before. This is replacing the home run chain. I like it's this the Homer hose. I like this better. I do, too. Because Miami, they already had the turnover chain and all that stuff. Homer already, hose is fantastic. Yeah, this is this is original. It's original idea. And there are other things you can do with it. Maybe you could get yeah. like the Oriole bird involved. Oh, man. With the Homer hose. You could sell them at the park, like Dude, get your own Homer hose. Can I get a Homer hose? Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Homer they could hose. sell these things. That's it. I might buy one of those. People bought the home run chains. Someone showed up at my wedding with a home run chain on. <laughs> Do you think I had an issue with that? Not in the no. slightest. Sarah Bradford's like, can you believe that? Yeah, I can't believe that at all. That's and, terrible. I'm going to go talk to him. And listen, Fantastic. you could use a Homer hose at a wedding, too. Homer hose. <laughs> I'm about it. Let's go. Also, shout out to the Winston-Salem Dash. Home opener tonight. Jeffrey Griffin on the pipes, on the PA. From triad today. Need to get out to a game sometime soon. Do. We got games we need to go to. Charlotte FC. It's coming up. Yeah. We'll get out there. Probably not this weekend, but eventually. And then I need to get back to Baltimore and watch the O's play. And certainly going to be going to my fair share of Winston-Salem Dash games. So, best of luck to the Dash in their home opener later on tonight. If you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Search The Drive with Josh Graham. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Our YouTube channel search, WSJS Radio. That's where the conversation we just had with Daniel Jeremiah is up. Appreciate DJ joining the show 
last hour from the NFL Network. But moving things along, that was a self-indulgent segment. In fact, I feel uncomfortable with how self-indulgent that was. This week, in Josh's Out of His Mind, your chance to go see the Harlem Globetrotters in Greensboro on Friday and uh, win, uh, win a free meal at PDQ. How's that sound? Stick around. Next on The Drive. The Drive with Josh Graham, only on WSJS. How about this? Going into this morning, C.J. Stroud, the betting favorite to be picked number one. Daniel Jeremiah has Bryce Young as his top pick. Bryce Young visited the Panthers today. Mel Kuyper now has Bryce Young as the number one pick. And now Bryce is the betting favorite. This was just announced by Caesar Sportsbook in the last half hour or so. Now we get to a segment that is still in its infancy stage. Hot takes galore. That's why some of you come to this show. Hey, let me just hear some takes, some opinions being thrown out there. See if they're face-searing hot. That's what we're doing. And we're going to incentivize you to give us some of those takes. If you call in and give us a hot take, we will give you a hot plate of PDQ, a meal It'll take care of a single meal, the voucher that you receive. And in addition to that, you'll get a pair of tickets to go see the Harlem Globetrotters Friday at the Greensboro Coliseum. 336-777-1600 if you want to win. You got to deliver a hot take for us to get the PDQ and also the Harlem Globetrotters tickets for Friday at the Coliseum. We call it Josh is out of his mind. Josh is out of his mind. Crazy fool. Just telling stories. He's out of his f***ing mind. And I'll give you an example of what one of these hot takes sounds like. 336-777-1600 if you want to play along. This really shouldn't be that hot of a take, but it feels like that's the case, WD, so I'll say it anyway. The Sacramento Kings are going to beat the Golden State Warriors in round one of the NBA playoffs. Josh is out of his mind. This reminds me a lot of FAU playing Memphis in round one of the NCAA tournament. It seemed like everybody and their mother was picking Memphis because the last weekend of the regular season, Memphis beat Houston. Memphis is a little bit more of a name brand. And even though it was an 8-9 matchup, everybody was on one side simply because they haven't watched much of FAU basketball. Obviously, that turned out to be a wrong prediction if you had Memphis. FAU went all the way to the Final Four. But that's what this reminds me of because everybody's on Golden State for no other reason than, oh, I know Steph and Draymond and Clay and Andrew Wiggins. They're not even going to pay attention to the fact that they're a 60. Oh, who are they playing? Sacramento? Sacramento hasn't been in the playoffs since 2004, 2005. There's a reason why they're a number three seed. So give me the team with home court advantage in game seven. Give me the team that's a three seed to win the series against Golden State. That is my first take. 
336-777-1600. Scott and High Point with PDQ and Globetrotters tickets for Friday night hanging in the balance. What do you have? Yeah, I'm going to say uh, former UNC Tar Heel Caleb Love, who transferred in the portal to Michigan, will flourish under John Howard's system. And Michigan will win the Big Ten this year and finish in the Elite Eight, at least in the NCAA tournament. Whoa, I'd say Scott is... He's out of his mind. Whoa, that's pretty good. That's a good example. You brought it, so we'll bring you some food and bring you some Globetrotter tickets. Enjoy that. Stay on hold for WD. 336-777-1600 if you want to play along and win as well. WD, what do you have for us? So with Odell now going to the Ravens, I'm going to say Lamar Jackson is going to be back to the Ravens, and I think the Ravens are going to go to the AFC title game. Is out of his mind. I think you hit the wrong file I, there. I, I do, too. Let's hit the right one. Where, where, where's my WD? Yeah, because John Calipari, did you know, also WD. said your name. Is out of his mind. There he is. He forgot my name for a second there. Gotcha. Got a lot on his plate. Let me think about that for a second. I don't know if that's hot enough. Really? I picked the Ravens to win the Super Bowl this past year. Boy, did that go well for me. I, de- I don't I don't think the Lamar going back to the Ravens is hot is the hot piece of that because I mean there's reports out there now that Lamar actively recruited OBJ and Ian Rappaport was saying that yeah. OBJ was going there with the thought if he goes, Lamar's gonna be there. This might be my out of his mind take, but I'll throw it out there anyway. There has never been a least impactful player in the NFL that's created more headlines than Odell Beckham Jr. Josh is out of his mind. He's not going to do much in Baltimore. He's had a year of rest. Yeah. He's fresh. Who cares? Uh, His legs care. Really? Yeah. Yeah. His legs coming off a significant injury. Absolutely. Yeah, that that means you're going to be fresh. Mm-hmm. If, I've, if I've heard it once, I've heard it a million times that you play a lot better coming off ACL injuries in your 30s than you did in your 20s when you had not had a significant injury. That's right. That's exactly how that works. Odell Beckham. Really, since his first two or three years in the league, he hasn't really been worth much of anything. Let's go back to... I- we haven't heard from this guy in a quite a while. Dave and Clemens wants to give us something spicy. Dave and Clemens, you know, PDQ has some spicy stuff. Uh-huh. Really do like. Pro tip, if you're going to take advantage of the free meal, get yourself the five tenders and get it doused in some buffalo sauce. It's really good at PDQ. And the milkshake's really good as well. Uh, for a trip to PDQ and also tickets to go see the Globetrotters in Greensboro Friday, Dave and Clemens go right ahead. What up, boys? I'm back with a hot take. Macau Bridges is a future NBA MVP. Josh, I love this dude out of Villanova. I was in Houston watching CP3 play one year. That year, I overheard NBA GMs raving about this dude. 
He flew up the draft boards, was drafted as a 3 and D dude. Now that he's in Brooklyn, he's going to get his shine. He's going to end up dropping 30 points a game. You will see it this NBA playoffs. Macau Bridges is an NBA superstar, future NBA MVP. Whoa! Scott, or excuse me, Dave, is... Is out of his mind. That's, that's quite a take. Good to hear from you, Dave. Enjoy the Globetrotters on us. And some PDQ as well. You got anything on the way out, WD? Yeah, I'll give you one more. Hot sauce on salad is fantastic. WD. Is out of his mind. What type of salad? I, I usually do it with a Caesar salad or something like that. That's disgusting. See, and I always get looked at like I'm crazy when, you I, are. when I tell people that. But if you like spicy stuff and you like salads... Like if um, it's if it's like a chicken salad with some like Italian dressing, maybe mm. like the viscosity. That's a big time word. Good word. Uh, yeah. The viscosity of that and the hot sauce might go a little bit together. Zesty. I could. Yeah. Yeah. I could talk myself more into that than Caesar. That's where it you give, lose me. It gives it a kick, man. I'm telling. I'm you. sure that's what hot yeah. sauce does. But W D is out of his mind. Ugh. 